Get after it, PDX. In-depth conversations with inspiring people in the creative hotbed of Portland, Oregon, Portland, Oregon. and beyond. Now, let's welcome the host of Get After It PDX and the co-founder of Y East Wolfpack, Willie McBride. Welcome, folks. We are back with another episode of Get After It PDX. As always, we have a very special guest today. It's Damian Jackson Ricketts, who is a doctor of physical therapy and owner of Stoke PT here in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Damian. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, glad you're here today. It's getting hot today. It's supposed to be almost 100 degrees, so nice Portland summer heat. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been hot this summer. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, thanks for coming down. We're at the EcoTrust Building at the Y East Wolfpack headquarters. Um, our little office here. Anyway, so like always, we want to go back to the back in the day and hear your whole story, go in sort of chronological order. So I know a little bit about you, but I'm excited to, to know more and, and hear about how this business got started and how you got interested in physical therapy and movement and all the good stuff you're doing now. So where were you born and raised? Uh, yes, yeah, so I was born in a small town in southwestern Virginia. Uh, it's called Independence, kind of in the it's in the Appalachian Mountains, uh, okay. in like a section of it called the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, but yeah, my hometown is about a thousand people. It's pretty small, uh, very isolated. We had like I think one stoplight for most of my life, and then they added another kind of like half you know fake stoplight in front of the <laughs> in front of the school. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so a very small town. Uh, pretty isolated like uh, you know I was like when describing it to people I always like use try to use kind of metrics that are relatable so like the nearest movie theater is like 45 minute drive nearest mall is like two hours away oh my gosh um, yeah so like if I fly home my, my parents and my sister actually still live there uh, so when I fly home I have to fly into either Charlotte or Greensboro North Carolina and then it's about like two hour drive two two and a half hour drive from there to my parents house wow <laughs> yeah that is out there. It's it pretty unique. It is, yeah. What did your folks do? Um, yeah, so my mom, for most of my life, was a stay-at-home mom. She okay. did some like kind of book, bookkeeping work on the side for some people. Um, now she works for the local library system and does a lot of their kind of bookkeeping and okay. tax stuff. Um, and my dad actually has a woodworking business, so he builds like Sweet. custom cabinets and, and things. He actually uh, he actually built our house, the house that I grew up in. Um, no way, that's by, awesome. By himself, so, yeah, yeah. Gosh, those are some amazing skills for sure. Yeah, it's cool. I think it's uh, it was cool to have grown up around it. I think I you know didn't appreciate it as much as I probably could have, but I definitely picked up some of the some skills yeah. along the way. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Anything you've practiced recently or put to use? Uh, let's see. <laughs> recently, not so much, but you know, I have built a few things over the years. I built like some shelves and stuff that are in our. Uh, it, we've had actually for a number of years now. We've kind of moved them with us, but I built like some tables and some random other things. And nice. And nice. Stuff. Yeah. That's so cool. I was a carpenter for a period, and oh, no way. Uh, I feel like working with your hands is just such a different thing, and like being able to see what you produce for your efforts is a big, big thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like that, um, kind of having that physical product at the end is yeah. like very gratifying. Yeah. yeah. So similar in ways to the work you do now, you get to, to see hands-on improvements over time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the, 
like the sort of hands-on manual portion of physical therapy was something that kind of attracted to me to it attracted me to it in the beginning um you know i mm -hmm. think just because i had some of that history of working with my hands and kind of manually and having something that's more physically engaging as my yeah. work as opposed to just mentally you know sitting behind a desk so yeah. that was part of it i think yeah big difference from being on a computer screen <laughs> yeah absolutely hard to see your progress always on a screen yeah 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 Nice. So what were you into as a kid? Like, obviously, in this rural environment, were you running around the woods or playing sports or what? Yeah, I mean, I would say some of both. You know, I think that, um, you know, growing up there, it was all that I ever knew. So I think I didn't fully appreciate the nature that I grew up around. You mm -hmm. know, I kind of just took it for granted. But uh, it's really a, a beautiful area and there's just tons of awesome nature around. So I definitely, growing up, spent a lot of time just exploring the woods around my house and, you nice. know, go down to the creek and try to, like, turn over rocks and find salamanders and catch <laughs> snakes and things. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, but I think, like, yeah, growing up, I mean, as a teenager, teenager you know I just kind of felt like there wasn't anything to do in my I'm hometown sure. you know and it couldn't really get around without having a car so there was definitely that yeah. aspect um, but yeah and I, I also played sports soccer was kind of my main sport growing okay. up I dabbled in a few other things I did a little bit of wrestling and some a little bit of martial arts but soccer was kind of the main one nice, that nice. continued all the way through high school yeah cool so how big was your school yeah it's pretty small so there was only one, uh, there was only actually one high school in my entire county. Um, oh, wow. And my county is actually pretty big geographically, but just the population is very small. So right. my graduating class was around 160. Okay. Um, and that's the entire county. <laughs> so so people were like bussed in from the whole area? Yeah, some people had like an hour and a half long bus ride every day. Um, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty interesting. And too, also, because the geography of the county, you know, changes quite a bit from end to end. So there would be days where, you know, I would wake up in the wintertime and there's, you know, it's sunny and maybe like 35, 36 degrees, no snow on the ground. And then school would be canceled because somewhere else in the county there's ice and snow on the roads. And it's Whoa, just that's impossible for them to clear all the roads and they can't make some kids go to school and others can't get there. So they would just cancel it. You're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah, We definitely missed a lot of school for snow when I was growing up. Um, yeah, there were days like there was one year when we had this big ice storm and it was a month straight of school that was just canceled. So it was just like a whole month in the winter. What? That <laughs> yeah. is a dream as yeah, a kid. It was, it was great. I mean, it's great. Uh, there were parts of it that were kind of boring because like there were times where we couldn't get out of the driveway either. So I couldn't really go hang out with any friends or anything yeah. like that. But after a while, it got clear enough that we could at least get out. But nice. So at the times when you were sort of bored with your surroundings or, or hoping for some more opportunities as a youth, mm -hmm. were you like eager to you know, looking forward to the future when you could like escape your, your hometown environs? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. That was definitely, you know, um, kind of as long as I remember, can remember, I was just like ready to kind of move on and get out and see more of the world, like do some more exciting things. Um, so, I mean, for me, I was, I always just looked at like college as being that time when I was going to be able to just leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I applied to college, it was, it was pretty much all schools that were pretty far away, mostly in the Northeast. Um, okay. Just like, I think the closest school that I applied to was like a three hour drive away. Okay. Um, yeah. And so if somebody had asked you in high school what you wanted to be when you grew up, so to speak, what would you have said at the time? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I when I first went into college, I was not, I was really not sure. You know, I didn't yeah. know what I wanted to do. Not um, unusual, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not unusual. Uh, I think like one of the main interests that I actually had was uh, film, so I kind of thought that I might want to go into directing film, which oh, is nice. pretty different from what I ended up going into. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that I might have mentioned. I don't know really if I don't really think physical therapy would have been on my radar in high school. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like, didn't even really have any experience with it until like towards the end of my senior year of high school. Um, and I don't think I was really thinking about that as a path at that point. What was your experience you had at that time? Yeah, so I um, had a pretty... Uh, bad like hamstring injury uh, playing soccer in high school it was like a not a full tear but partial tear of the hamstring um, and so I ended up going to physical therapy for a little while for that I'd say okay. that um, you know I was probably like a lot of high school students definitely not the best um, not the best patient uh, I think <laughs> yeah. as soon as it started to feel a little bit better I kind of just stopped going and stopped doing all the exercises yeah. which is obviously not the best uh, way to approach it yeah. but apparently it made some kind of an impact on me anyway huh so what, well, this is one of the questions where I'll ask you to go a little deeper. Yeah. So what, like, so you were working directly with a physical therapist for months? So, or was it just have. them? Yeah, it should have been for months. It was probably maybe like, I, I, I'm not sure how long it was. It was maybe like a month okay. uh, that I actually went. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it definitely, I mean, it definitely helped. You know, I mean, it got me yeah. to the point of not having pain anymore, but I think that, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was completely just me not, you know, being invested enough in it or mm -hmm. if it was not fully explained to me, um, the need to continue past like the initial resolution of pain, okay. um, to really stop it from coming back. Cause I did end up re-injuring it m more than once after I left PT. Um, Interesting. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So from high school, which, which college did you go to? Um, so I ended up going to Cornell University in uh, upstate Ithaca, New York. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so it was uh, nice. you know, one of the main reasons that I picked it was kind of because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, okay. And that Cornell had so many different schools within, you know, within that mm. university and like had, I think, the most majors of any, any of the places that I looked at. So it seemed like oh, wow. a place where I'd have a lot of options, yeah. basically. Yeah, and I actually yeah. went in un undeclared in arts and sciences my first year. Um, Nice. Yeah, <laughs> and so tell me about the college process. How, uh, or like, what did you end up majoring in, and how did how did it sort of evolve to be that you were focused on that? Yeah, so yeah, my first year in school, you know, I just um, I kind of dabbled in a lot of different things. I took classes mm -hmm. across a pretty wide range. Um, took some things kind of in film. Took things in you know the sciences, fulfilling some requirements and whatnot. Um, and then uh, ultimately, you know, I was kind of exploring the avenue of film a little more and um, read, kind of read some things that were saying that if you haven't developed like a full portfolio by this point and you don't have this driving passion to constantly be making film then just like stop now because it's just you know there are so many other people that are that passionate about it that want to go into it that it's yeah. just like it's just not gonna not gonna be worth it and I was like thinking about it I'm like I don't really think I have that you know, strong of a passion for this. Like I haven't really done it before. I'm just kind of interested in it. Um, not sure if that was the right way to think about it, but that was sort of my thought process at the time. And then when it got to the like second half of my, uh, like going into the second half of my sophomore year, they were like, it was kind of time when I needed to pick something. So mm -hmm. I was, I thought about it a lot. Um, I'd always been interested in health and fitness, you know, like staying active was always a big, uh, kind of part of my life since like middle school, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
I ended up deciding on physical therapy. I had had some, some oh, more okay. physical therapy experiences in while I was in college also, mm-hmm. um, kind of more in depth than the experience I had in high school. Okay. And so I decided to sort of go down that path and transferred into a different school within Cornell um, mm. and kind of went into basically a pre-med track. That was like the closest they had for, for like pre-physical therapy. Okay. Yeah. We're going to jump around a tiny bit because uh, actually when I was in high school, I was wanted to be a film director. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's funny. I was totally into it. I was head of film society at my school. And, oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. So what, uh, what about film was captivating to you or, you know, what, what was the interest there? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think, you know, I feel like growing up, growing up where I grew up, you know, it was pretty isolating in a lot of ways. Um, and especially before I was able to drive, it wasn't a whole lot that I can do, you know, aside from just like being at home. So I think that in a way film was kind of an, es- an escape in a sense. Um, yeah. you know, it was like something that was, um, engaging that I could do from home, you know, and I didn't have to necessarily be able to like go places to do that. Um, so I think I was part of it. Um, I just always, I don't know, I was always just kind of drawn to it as an, as an art form. Like I always pretty early on started watching a lot more kind of like indie films and kind of mm-hmm. less popular things. And I really, I, I just really liked them for whatever reason. So nice. Yeah. Can you think of any favorite films during that time during that or, time. or current or anything? Um, I mean, I've always been a big Tarantino fan, you know, okay. so like nice. Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction were definitely some of my favorites. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was a big fan of like Guy Ritchie also at yeah. that time. Uh, yeah, I, I still like Guy Ritchie. I think some of his newer stuff, maybe not. I <laughs> kind of moved away from his style, but uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, those were two that definitely stand out. Oh yeah, yeah. I always thought the the writing, the dialogue of Pulp Fiction is just some of the best ever. Yeah, oh, yeah, so that good. and, those and Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Nice. So, what? were the experiences with PT in college, you said to post the high school one, mm-hmm. like how did that sort of push you on towards that? Like, or what, yeah, I'm just trying to sort of, what was like, obviously it's essential. Like if you're somebody who's active and plays sports and, and has that as part of their life, interest in PT is sort of an understandable thing because it's what allows you to keep going. Right. And if you, you know, God forbid you do get injured, that's what allows you to, to recover and get back to it. So was it just like the process or like was it was there an element of like working with others that was really interesting to you or what what do you think was what made you finally commit because obviously that's once you <laughs> shifting tracks and getting into a new school in, in Cornell is obviously mm-hmm. not a small thing it takes some some deliberate action yeah absolutely um, yeah I think that a part of it was uh, you know I'd always been kind of more drawn towards biology and the natural sciences than towards math, like mathematics and things. And I think having an understanding of the way the natural world worked was always interesting to me. Um, And I think that same kind of interest also applied to just the human body. And I think some of my experiences in physical therapy um, just kind of showed me how little about that I actually knew, you know, and how, how poorly I actually understood how the human body even worked. (laughs) Um, and so I think a part of it was really just like my own interest in the subject material. And I just wanted to learn more about it. And I wanted to kind of know how to 
take care of my body so that I could continue to be active. So some of it was definitely uh, selfish in that way. Um, But I also, I think when I, you know, during college, because I had, um, I took, uh, in high school, I took uh, weightlifting elective, like Mm -hmm. both semesters, my junior and senior year after PT was no, or sorry, PE was no longer uh, required. Um, Just, I just wanted to do that and continue to like be active. And I think that the experience from that was helpful kind of going forward and in college I often would um like go with friends to the gym and just kind of take them through workouts okay you know and so I was kind of considering um like getting a personal training certification I never I never ended up doing that but I think thinking about that kind of also led me towards uh, physical therapy um as a potential career nice yeah so give me the the timeline after college where'd you go what'd you do yeah, so after after college, um, I so since I started kind of late into the major that I ended up uh, ended up on, which was human biology, health, and society, um, I was kind of behind on credits. I actually mm-hmm. took some summer classes, but I still was not quite able to get all the prerequisites that I needed uh, to apply for PT school. Um, so I took some classes sort of after uh, graduating. I also needed to get some experience in physical therapy. They required you know, a certain number of experience hours in different uh, okay. areas of practice. Um, so after I graduated, I ended up stay, kind of staying in Ithaca and working for a while to get enough money so that I could take a month off to volunteer to get the, <laughs> the experience yeah. hours that I needed. Because I tried to find, uh, you know, like a paying position in a, in a PT clinic, but I, I couldn't find one. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up working for basically like working for the summer. And then in the fall, I took like a full month off and I just was like full time uh, volunteering to get the experience that oh, I needed wow. for a month. Nice. So like 40 hours a week for a month, basically. Um, it's a lot of volunteering. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. And so did that and then applied to PT school that fall. Um, and then was just square state in Ithaca. I was working a few things there. I was like bouncing in a bar and, and I was, uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. Put the, the strength training in good use. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was, uh, I was working in a research lab, uh, also at Cornell. Um, was, that was a pretty, pretty interesting job. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, so I applied to PT school and then I applied to a few different schools. Miami was kind of my top choice and I had a, a friend from college that was living in Miami at the time. Um, and when, and I had another friend that was living in New York uh, and he was like, yeah, if you get into Miami, like I'll move down there with you. And I, you know, I thought he was joking. He's kind of one to kind of, you know, say things jokingly, but not really mean it a lot of the time. And I was like, he's never going to and so um, then when I went down to Miami to interview, um, you know, I did the interview, I think on Thursday and I was supposed to fly back on Sunday and my, my buddy woke up on Sunday, like drove me to the airport and drops me off. And then I realized my flight was canceled uh, because there was a big winter storm back in New York. It was like the okay. middle of the winter in upstate New York. Um, and so I called him, he comes, pick, comes and picks me up and we just like end up hanging out for a few more days. And then my rescheduled flight was canceled and then it got canceled again what? and then it got canceled again. And so I ended up being in Miami for like an extra week and a half after I was supposed to fly back, what? which, That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, which could have been terrible, you know, but luckily yeah. I was staying with a friend. So I was like just a vacation basically. Um, oh, wow. 
and the whole time I was like trying to like hold myself back from being excited about Miami because I didn't know yet if I was going to get in. Yeah. Uh, and then exactly a week after my interview, I got a call from them saying that I had gotten into the University of Miami, nice. and I was still there, still in Miami. Uh, and so then I like called my my other buddy, and I'm like, "Guess what? You're moving to Miami." And he's like, "All right." And I still didn't believe him until. Like the day before we were going to drive down, he just shows up with his car fully packed and we just drive down to Miami. No way. <laughs> yeah. And we ended up uh, actually stopping at my parents' house for the night because it was about the halfway point. So we spent one night there and then drove on down. Nice. That's a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. Go getter. Yeah, fun. Yeah. So that ended up being like, because we were all in the same uh, fraternity in college. So it was like me, him, and then our, my, our other buddy that also lived down there. Okay. Um, so it was, uh, it was fun. Wow. And I gotta gotta get you connected with Yassine because he he has a bunch of family in the Ithaca area and spent time bunch of time living up there. Oh no way! And then he also lived did high school in Orlando. Oh wow! And was like around Miami and later huh. some time after that. Yeah, that's cool. Like there's a bunch of crossovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, Miami is an interesting, very interesting place. I have not been there, and I would like to go. It seems pretty wild. I would definitely recommend it uh, in the winter time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wintertime, it's perfect there. Like the water's still warm. It's like 70s every day. Yeah, it's beautiful in the winter. It's, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, how long were you there? So, I was in Miami uh, for three years for PT school. Okay. Um, so, I think my interview was in January, I want to say. And then I moved down there in April. Um, and then I was there uh, from, uh, I guess it would be 20, 2014 to 2017. Okay. Yeah. And is that standard three years for a PT program? Yeah, I think I think pretty much all of them are three years now because um, they they've all transitioned away from like a master's program to a doctorate at this point. Um, mm -hmm. And then I know there are there are maybe a few that are combined undergrad PT school that condenses everything into maybe like five years or six years, mm -hmm. um, but mostly three year program. Huh. So sorry that the combination would be all the prerequisites plus the PT curriculum. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, for that combined undergrad PT yeah. school, yeah. Huh. Yeah, so it shortens it by a good couple of years. Nice. So where, where were you off to after Miami? Um, yeah, so after Miami, um, I actually applied to uh, an orthopedic residency. I applied, applied to a couple. I applied to Miami's and uh, applied to USC in, in LA. Um, and USC was kind of my top choice for that one. Um, and so for, for physical therapy, residency is not a required thing uh, like it is for physicians, but it's just like allows you to sit for a specialization exam in a specific area. So I wanted to kind of specialize in orthopedics, just, you know, muscle and bone, muscle and joint stuff. Yeah. Um, and so ended up getting into that residency. So basically right after graduating from PT school, moved out to my moved from Miami to LA. Okay. Um, and then I was, the residency was a year uh, in LA, just kind of a pretty intense year um, where I was working in a clinic under a couple of mentors associated with the residency one kind of focused on foot and ankle primarily, and then the other focused on kind of back, low back and pelvis. Um, so I got a lot of training in those areas. And then also doing uh, some teaching in the PT program at USC. So oh, nice. working with kind of the first year students there, uh, and then taking a lot of courses on the weekends myself, and then, meet, and then meeting kind of like weekly meetings with the other residents to practice skills and go over literature reviews wow. and stuff. So it was just, yeah, it was a long, a lot of long hours, very intense, but I definitely learned a lot. Um, so it was for one year? Yeah, it was one, one year, nice. yeah. yeah. And then you ended up staying there, correct? Yeah, so we uh, we originally had not planned that, um, but 
my my girlfriend and um wanted to apply to some MBA programs and she, she applied to like UCLA and then a few other programs and she ended up really liking UCLA and getting in there. So mm. we stayed there for a while. She was doing her program. Um, okay. And then, uh, and then almost a year after that uh, also. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And where did you two met? So we actually met in college uh, in undergrad in New York. Um, so mm. yeah, she's originally from Taiwan. She came to the U S for, for college for undergrad. Um, and then after we graduated, we, we actually didn't start dating until like the, towards the end of our senior year, which is kind of crazy. Mm. Um, but then she was in New York for the, like New York City for the summer uh, and then ended up actually moving back to Taiwan for a year um, mm. to work in investment banking in Taiwan. And so we were kind of doing like long distance for a year where she was there. I was in Ithaca and then moved down to Miami and then she actually moved down to Miami. Um, after that. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. So obviously LA is a pretty far cry from your hometown. Yeah, it's about, well, as, about as opposite <laughs> as it could be. So what was that experience like? I mean, like, did you like LA? Was it, you know, how did that go for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there were uh, definitely some aspects of it that I enjoyed. You know, I really, I really loved being able to go surfing pretty frequently. I, I like surfing. I hadn't surfed before, but learned once I moved there. Um, I had a really, you know, good group of friends there. Um, and there is actually a lot of, there's a lot of outdoor stuff to do around L.A. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just hard to get to it um, yeah, yeah. when you're deep in L.A. Uh, but those aspects I definitely liked. I think for me, the city itself was just a little too much. You know, it's a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm lot of pollution uh, it's pretty crowded so those aspects not so much I think that I would have been I would have been totally happy to have left probably after that year of residency and oh, yeah. kind of moved on. but I, it was it was overall a good experience I think but I was definitely ready to get to some yeah. kind of greener pastures so to speak yeah like like Oregon yeah exactly very green yeah uh where in, in LA were you so we kind of bounced around. We uh, the first year living there, we lived in uh, Marina del Rey, um, which is kind of like adjacent to Venice. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that first year, when my girlfriend ended up started her MBA program, we ended up moving up to uh, Brentwood, which is kind of just across the freeway from where you the neighborhood where UCLA is, mm-hmm. um, just so she could be closer to school. Uh, was not the biggest fan of that neighborhood. It was just a little more. A little bit more urban, a little further yeah. away from the ocean. Um, it was closer to the mountains, which was nice. So it was easier to go mm-hmm. mountain biking from there, yeah. um, which was good. But then after that, we actually moved to Venice uh, for the our last year in LA, and we were okay. in Venice for a year, which was awesome. Yeah, nice. it was great. We were like a mile and a half from the beach, so I could just wake up every morning, strap my surfboard to my bike, and go down and go surfing. Oh which was yes, awesome. yeah, amazing. So where did you first start surfing? In LA, so yeah, I started that was um, the first yeah, time, very right? first time I'd ever surfed. Well, actually, that's not that's not entirely true. I I tried surfing one time before that um, when I visited my girlfriend in Taiwan during the okay. year when she was living there. Uh, I didn't uh, didn't go anywhere on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took that surfing is one of the one of the hardest sports that I've ever tried to learn. Um, it's a hard one for yeah, sure. Yeah, like the difference between a beginner and just being proficient on a surfboard is so huge. So, yeah. uh, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. And then obviously you mentioned mountain mountain biking is one of your favorite activities. Were you did you get into that before LA or or just once you're out there? Because obviously that area has a lot of good stuff. 
Yeah, so that was before uh, before LA. I actually started mountain biking in Miami, of all places. Oh, that does not yeah. strike you as a mountain bike zone. <laughs> yeah, people people almost always laugh when I say that. But um, when I was I was in school there in PT school, and I you know I lived super close to campus, so I wanted to get a bike to just be able to bike to and from school, mm-hmm. um, not pay for a parking pass and whatnot. And I was like, if I'm gonna get a bike, I might as well get something that I can use to do something fun too. So I just started yeah. looking for a used mountain bike, and I picked up some <laughs> old like I think it was like a 2001 or something yeah. uh, mountain bike that for like 300 bucks on Craigslist, nice. um, and then just took it out to the, there. So there actually are mountain biking trails uh, in Florida which, yeah, I never would have thought, but they're actually a lot of fun, uh, especially the ones up around the Tampa area. But they're in Sweet. Miami, the trail system is on one of the islands off the coast called Virginia Key. Oh, wow. um, and I think, I'm pretty sure uh, that, the, don't quote me on this, but I think the whole island is actually man-made from when they were dredging for the Port of Miami. Okay. And they yeah. just built the trails on this like, kind of man-made island. Um, Whoa. And so the riding there is definitely different from what I've ridden anywhere else. It's a lot of very yeah. just like, like a lot of ups and downs like small hills and a lot of man-made features um, but super fun place to to learn wow yeah you learn something new every day yeah yeah huh yeah and so obviously you continued that when you're in la yeah i continued that in la um when i first moved to la went i went riding uh like shortly after moving there and First time riding in LA, um, came back, realized that my, the frame on my bike was cracked. Hmm. And so I was like, that's pretty much, you know, the end of that bike. Um, and at the time I was in so busy in residency and everything that I ended up not getting another bike until I finished residency. So for that kind of first year in LA, I wasn't riding at all. I was surfing a little bit, but just, I didn't really have a whole lot of time. So after that though, I ended up getting a bike and then started going riding more met some, met some friends who were also riding and got it, got back into it. Nice. So after residency, what is or what was the process like? Had you always thought about starting your own practice, or you know, was was there thoughts about just joining an established practice? What was that? What did that look like? Yeah, you know, I think in the in some part of my mind, I'd always kind of been thinking about opening my own practice. I think. I used to have this kind of like grand vision of opening this big facility with, you know, Mm. all the practitioners under one roof, you know, and like having, you know, gym, personal training, physical therapy, um, having to be this big holistic center. And I think, I think that's kind of something that a lot of people think they're going to do when they go into PT school. Um, And, you know, I've seen some businesses like that. I don't know if I necessarily am as drawn to that anymore, but, Mm. but right after residency, um, I ended up joining a small uh, private practice in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a cash, like a cash pay practice, which was something that I was kind of looking for because I experienced um, kind of the insurance practices mm-hmm. and didn't necessarily enjoy the way that those that business worked and was run. So I wanted to see kind of what the cash pay world was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a it was an interesting experience. The, the practice that I joined was very small. It was just mm-hmm. the owner uh, when I joined, so he was the only PT, and so I was the second PT wow. there. Uh, and we had like front desk staff and stuff. But it was interesting to be kind of that close to the business growing and watching kind yeah. of all the challenges and struggles that he went through, yeah. um, and got to kind of take part in a lot of the training that he was going through himself to you know for the business um which was cool i think it was a good learning experience and i think i was able to take a lot of that um into owning my own practice now so yeah yeah and so at what point did you you start to make that transition to your own own gig yeah so i i worked in that practice for uh 
almost exactly two years after residency. Uh, and then that was kind of when I left and started seeing, kind of fell into seeing clients on my own, to be honest. Like I kind of, I left that job and didn't really have a plan for exactly what I was going to do next. And then some of my clients from, from there started reaching out and wanted to continue working together. So uh, I started seeing them independently. Um, it was actually at that time I didn't really have a place to do it, um, mm -hmm. so I was actually just seeing clients in my backyard in Venice, which in California, you know, Southern California is fine because it never rains and it's always warm. So <laughs> it was actually kind of nice. It was a pretty good space for it. Wow. Um, and then just through word of mouth and friends of friends, got a few more clients mm -hmm. there in LA. It was uh, also kind of a nice break, you know. I mean, I was working, but obviously not nearly full time. Um, and it was the first break that I'd had since since uh really since starting pt school um first real break that i'd had so that was kind of nice uh yeah. and i didn't really put a lot into building up the business in la mostly because mm -hmm. we knew that we were going to be moving um we were actually planning on moving a year earlier than we did but then covid and we decided that yeah. it was like not the best time to try to move and have to figure out <laughs> that whole situation so yeah, yeah. we ended up waiting for like an extra like, year year and a half uh before moving nice. yeah and the idea or the decision to move was just you wanted to be in a new place. L.A. wasn't your, your forever spot. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I think um, moving to Portland was kind of the first time that we had just decided, you know, this is where we want to be and we want to move somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, every other time it had been, you know, I moved to Miami for grad school and then to L.A. for residency and we yeah, stayed yeah. in L.A. for my girlfriend's grad school. So uh, this time we kind of, uh, we knew that because, you know, her family's in Taiwan, she wanted to stay on the West Coast because mm -hmm. um, it's a little closer to her family. Um so we explored a, a number of cities, you know, we checked out San Francisco, Seattle, San Diego, mm. Santa Cruz, um, and Portland, mm. and we both, we both really liked Portland. Um, really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and so we ended up uh, settling on that and giving it a shot. Hell yeah. 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 So we moved out here actually in October of last year. Okay. So still pretty new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously Stoke PT, you work with a lot of people, or at least you're interested in working with a lot of people who do these outdoor sports, mountain biking, surfing, running, whatever it is. Uh, when you were seeing people in your backyard and during that period, were, you, were those, you know, just sort of random clients with all sorts of ailments and things they were dealing with? Or were those actually, you know, how many of those people were, were sort of in the demographic you were hoping to be working with in terms of outdoor sports? Yeah, that's a good, uh, good question. Actually, I would say that the majority of them were, um, okay. you know, because I, th I think a lot of them came through kind of word of mouth and friend friends of friends. So, mm -hmm. and most of the friends that I had in LA that I kind of met while I was there were th with either through surfing or mountain biking. Mm -hmm. So it was all people who were kind of engaged in those things. Um, nice. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's just always kind of easier for me to connect with people who do those things. So, you know, the clients that some of the clients that left with me from my previous job were also people who were kind of into similar uh, outdoor okay. activities. Yeah. Yes. And so if you had to like describe your philosophy or like a certain approach, mm. or, you know, there's sort of like people who are in, in terms of like, and obviously this is a little bit different from physical therapy, but like okay, to be a mountain biker, these are the sort of functional movements you need to do on the daily to, you know, hopefully stay injury-free. Like, what's your sort of approach, if you have one, to to troubleshooting, you know, just staying healthy and staying, keeping the ability to do the things people love so much? Yeah, that's a, 
It's a good question. Um, I'm thinking about that one. I think that, you know, I think that for me, it's really about, um, it's about taking a, a whole, as holistic a look at as possible at the each individual, and then considering taking into account the activities that they want to be doing, um, taking into account kind of their like history of injuries, history of athletics and things like that, and mm-hmm. then doing um, like one of the things that you know if someone's coming in for with a specific injury, then I'll do uh, like a comprehensive kind of in depth evaluation focused on that specific thing and looking at you know the areas adjacent to that mm-hmm. um and then addressing you know kind of trying to really i think i guess a better a better way of uh saying it would maybe be that like really trying to find the the root cause like the underlying thing that's really mm-hmm. causing the issue because um, very very rarely is that truly like what they you know what they think is the problem or like what yeah. feels like the problem you know it's usually like someone comes in with a knee problem but really it's caused by weakness at the hip and at the foot you know so so it's like things like that and really trying to get to that root cause so that you can address the underlying issue that's causing the pain that they're having because most uh, most of the time pain is not really the injury itself pain is just something that you know once the injury reaches a certain point and this injury process is usually something that's been going on for quite some time and then Mm -hmm. eventually it just reaches kind of a tipping point where it starts to make itself known in the form Mm -hmm. of pain and so it's really treating that underlying process that like imbalance or weakness that's there um and i think that's really probably a a better way of describing the uh, kind of underlying philosophy yes yeah and so you said when, when you were working with the guy in L.A., uh, you joined that practice, and he was going through you know, business development and, and getting the structure of his own business down. And you said you, you, know, you gleaned some, some info and experience along the way. What were some of those lessons, if you can remember, that you took with you or takeaways um, mm-hmm. that you maybe applied to Stoke? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the biggest things is that... Um, you know, when a lot of people think about physical therapy, they don't necessarily have a very strong feeling about it one way or the other, or it's, you know, it doesn't sound very exciting <laughs> to most people. Uh, and a lot of the time, you know, for traditional physical therapy, it's just not, not really that exciting, yeah. to be honest, you know. And so I think that one of the biggest takeaways is, um, you know, if you're going to be focusing on like a, a cash pay practice where you're emphasis is really on providing being able to provide better service and spending more time with the people and really being able to get the results that you want instead of being kind of shackled to the insurance companies um you kind of have to change the idea of what your what your product is Mm -hmm. in a way so like not really uh talking to people about physical therapy or selling them on physical therapy but it's more like these are the benefits or results that you can get from this you know so it's like if there's somebody that really loves mountain biking you know it's like if you you know but through working with me like you're going to be able to become a better mountain biker or you know get back out there and spend more time on the bike and it's really like those are the things that people want anyway like they don't want physical therapy physical therapy is just a tool to get them to what they want um and so i think that's just something that's very different from kind of what we're taught in school um that i think was definitely helpful and continue to use that now so sort of like how you present it to them or like the perspective you're trying to have them take on it yeah exactly yeah kind of the perspective that they take but it's kind of uh overarching too i mean it's kind Mm -hmm. of a perspective that that i take also you know it's like it's not about 
what I do so much as what they want and being able to get them to be able to do what they want um, and just using physical therapy as a way to do that. So, you know, I think in that way, I've kind of, I move a little bit away from like traditional physical therapy and a lot of what I do is kind of more performance based and performance focused. Mm -hmm. So it's like a combo of kind of like performance training or like almost performance therapy, if you will. But it's just, it's not just kind of the, we're going to get you out of pain and then send you on your way. It's like, how can we, you know, deal with this pain while also helping you to come back stronger than you were before nice. um, so that you have less chance of this or something else happening. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to clarify cause I am inexperienced with it. Uh, so the difference between a cash paid practice and an insurance based practice, obviously you've worked within those both. And mm-hmm. so what, I really have no idea about that. Like what, what's the difference there? Like how does that affect the business? Yeah. So it can have a pretty, pretty big impact. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize how much power the insurance companies have in terms of what practitioners do. But, um, insurance companies basically, you know, they determine what they're willing to pay for and how much they're willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what that means for the therapist is that, you know, they have to kind of consider what they're going to get paid to do and what they're not. And so that just adds another layer of complexity that's not even really considering what the client or patient needs. Yeah. It's just how do we you know, make money for the practice. Um, and the reimbursement for most insurance companies is pretty low. Um, so it ends up being that most insurance practices have their PTs seeing three, sometimes four patients in an hour. Um, and so in, an, that's, in one hour, in one hour. Yeah. So what? like in my, when I was in the insurance practice and the one that I was in was honestly better than most, but I was seeing, you know, between 15 and 20 patients in a day. Um, Jeez. and there's just, yeah, nobody's benefiting from that, you know? So like from the, yeah. from the patient's perspective or client's perspective, um, you know, they're coming in and they think that the PT is going to be doing, you know, exactly what they need, but realistically the PT is trying to balance what they need with what the, what the insurance company is yeah. going to pay them yeah. to do. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll come in and you maybe see the PT for 10 minutes and then, you know, you get passed off to an aide who typically uh, yeah, is like yeah. a high school student or maybe a college student, if you're lucky, who's just interested in PT but has no formal training. And they'll take you through the exercise program usually, which is arguably the most important part, you know, and if you're not going through the exercise program well, you're probably not going to get much out of it. And, yeah. then, uh, and then usually at the end, they end up getting put on like e-stim and ice or heat or something just because insurance companies for whatever reason will pay for that even though there really isn't that much benefit to it um, so it's just a lot of kind of wasted time and yeah it's just not <laughs> not really the way that Whoa. i wanted to do things so yeah and the the shocking truth behind all this <laughs> yeah yeah one of the many issues with the healthcare system in this country but and so of course conversely then cash based is just you're getting paid for what you're doing more directly, you're providing a better product, it's more personalized, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, basically, you know, it just allows, it allows me to do exactly what the person I'm seeing needs and yeah. nothing else, yeah. you know? And yeah. so one of the other aspects of the um, insurance system is if you, if you come in with say like a knee injury, uh, but really like part of that knee injury is coming from an imbalance in the muscles in your back, but if you're in an insurance practice, they can't actually treat your back because it's not the 
body part that you're in there for. Um, and that's just oh, ridiculous. You know, it completely like compartmentalizes the body. Um, so you're going to end up really just not getting the results that you want because they can't focus on everything. Um, but why can't they focus like liability or something like they're not, they can't touch this area cause it's not the, yeah, it's just, it, it's, uh, the insurance company will only pay for the body part that they're being seen for at the time. And so you have to put in, uh, like diagnosis codes and you can only bill for those diagnosis codes. So, I mean, you could do it, but you wouldn't be able to bill for it. Um, and so most of the time, insurance, like the PTs are not allowed to do that. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's a little crazy. Unless you can like, unless you can, I mean, you can take a risk and, you know, try to very clearly spell out how it's connected. But a lot of the time, those claims are going to end up getting rejected. And then, you know, end of, end of the day, you just end up not getting paid. Um, so, yeah, it's a little it's interesting. Got to fight the system. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And with the you know with the out of um, out of network practice, you know, I can still provide people with a, a super bill that they can submit to their insurance on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just not. I'm not working with the insurance company directly, and I can't guarantee. So your pay is not in jeopardy. You get paid regardless. Yeah, yeah. My, exactly. My pay is not in jeopardy, and it's not. Um, and I'm not like reliant on the insurance company because obviously the insurance company's goal is always to pay as little as possible you know yeah, so it's a yeah. insurance-based practices end up spending a lot of time just trying to figure out how to bill properly and and whatnot most of them end up actually outsourcing the billing so they hire somebody to do the insurance billing to try to maximize their return but it's just a game that's all a game well, yeah <laughs> so you're in portland now you're settled in stoke is going yeah yeah congrats by the way yeah that's awesome um as a fellow business owner i know know it's hard at times of course so (laughs) that's a big deal to to be doing it yeah what have you found we'll we'll go both positive and negative what have you found to be sort of the some of the greatest challenges you've experienced in starting your own practice Mm -hmm. and you know what are some of the things that have have gone gone better for you or you know exciting to you about starting your own practice yeah, I think um, I guess I'll start with the challenges. But the, you know, one of the biggest challenges was after moving to Portland was just uh, the kind of process of getting the word out, marketing, uh, self promotion, marketing are definitely mm-hmm. not my strong suit. So just kind of yeah. getting that that part has been a, a big challenge for me. Just kind of you know increasing awareness and whatnot. Because um, I I guess I didn't I didn't fully appreciate how challenging that was going to be. Because when I was in LA, like I said, I kind of you know fell into it. I had clients already when I started, and mm-hmm. then through word of mouth and referrals and stuff, it just kind of snowballed on its own. Versus, we moved here, not really knowing very many people here at all, um, and so yeah, it's been that's been tough uh, building that network. So I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge. And then uh, other than that, just um, you know, just there are just so many little little things, little aspects to running a business that mm-hmm. are just all things that I have no idea how to do. So I'm just like every day, like I feel like I'm constantly just learning something new and doing something that I'm completely terrible at, um, which I think is fun in a way. You know, yeah. I, I kind of like that trying new things and learning how to do things. But I think I sometimes get into a bit of a like time suck if there's something that I've never done before and I really yeah. want to do it and it just ends up taking me like all day on something that's so small. Like yeah. uh, the other day, like I spent probably like three hours just trying to create like a, a nice email signature with like yeah. with like clickable links in it you know and it was like it was actually really hard but I mean I finally got it but nice. <laughs> but it's like really not an important thing but I just got sucked into working on it hey those, those can be important yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and then as far as uh, like 
positives, you know, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just that, like the freedom that comes with it, you know, has been just awesome, you know, mm -hmm. so I really, uh, like when I was in LA, you know, it allowed me to just, you know, go surfing every morning and then, you know, if the swell was really good, I'd surf in the morning and then surf in the evening, you know, and yeah. just kind of schedule around it and kind of the same thing now, it allows me to do a lot of the things that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, I think that it really lets me to, lets me provide a better experience for my clients too. So, mm -hmm. you know, by keeping the practice small, which is kind of like my intention, maybe not, not as small as it is right now, but <laughs> keeping it small, you know, I don't really have plans to hire people or anything, at least yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and by doing that, I think it allows me to really give each person the individual attention that I think they should have, um, yeah. which ends up giving them a better experience and better outcome. Nice. And so how have you felt about Portland so far? You feel like you're settling in and obviously you're trying to get in the community and make connections. How's that been going? Yeah, uh, Portland's been great. I've, yeah, I've been loving it so far. It's definitely, uh, I think I think I would say it's my, my favorite place that I've lived so far. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so I, I like it a lot. It's just, uh, I feel like it's got a lot of things happening all the time, but all those things are also very accessible, you know? So mm -hmm. in LA, there there's a lot of stuff to do, but it's just so inaccessible to do it, you know? Yeah. Like I remember in LA, we would look up uh, like a concert or something and be like, oh, this artist that I really like is coming to LA. And then you look up the concert and it's like an hour and a half drive and it's like technically still in LA, but it's like, I'm not going to drive an hour and a half to go to a concert and then have to drive, yeah, and yeah. drive back. So it's just like, <laughs> uh, but here it's like, you know, we went to, we've been to a couple concerts here and it's just been such a smooth, easy experience every time, you know, it's like a 10 minute drive there, 10 minute drive back, and yeah. like drive right up and park and it's like, <laughs> line. it's just like, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Very <laughs> way, different. Way better. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, I like it. Yeah. I think it's a good balance and obviously the outdoor access is amazing. So yeah. What are some of your favorite spots so far, outdoors-wise? Favorite spots, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like I was, uh, uh, I mean, I haven't explored quite as much as I'd like this summer just from traveling around for, for weddings, but uh, but let's see, where have we been? I mean, we went up to Mount Hood once over the winter and did some snowboarding. That was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously got out to Forest Park a bunch. Um, where else have we gone? We've done quite a few hikes up in the gorge, which has been really, really yeah. nice. It's uh, beautiful up there. Um, we actually, uh, we did a hike up in uh, close to Cougar, Washington, which okay. uh, we actually saw a mountain lion on that hike. Which no was way. crazy, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, we like came around a corner and there was just a mountain lion standing in the middle of the trail, like probably 30 feet away from us. And then we were hiking with our dog at the time and he just like, without even a second's hesitation just took off after this mountain lion and like are you serious yeah luckily the mountain lion i think was just spooked so he just turned around and ran and my dog chased after him and then a few a few minutes later he came running back what? and was fine but yeah i was i was like ready to grab a stick thinking i was going to have to go try to save my dog from this mountain lion but luckily he was oh he was my okay. gosh yeah it was pretty crazy Wait, what trail was that oh man uh I think it was called like uh, Su Susong Creek or something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny, I actually have not been there, but I know a lot of people who have. Yeah, it was a beautiful trail. Um, but Whoa, was, dude, that is lucky. That is a pretty yeah. rare experience to see a mountain lion. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I've kind of always wanted to see one, maybe maybe not quite that close up, but it was, it was cool. Wow. Yeah. Was it pretty big? It was big, yeah. It definitely had to have been a full-grown one. Yeah, he was pretty, pretty big. 
Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Dang. Um, yeah, and then other than that, I mean, as far as like mountain biking, I, you know, I've been out, I go out to Rocky Point a lot up near Scapoose. Those are kind of the okay. closest trails to Portland. And then I'll go out to, um, been out to Sandy Ridge a couple times. Nice. Um, yeah, I was going to ask about that spot. Yeah, yeah, it's a good spot. But yeah, I haven't, uh, I still want to get out and try to explore a little bit more in the area. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, we're getting, getting towards the end of this, but uh, what are your sort of future either well both in the outdoor realm with all the activities you like to do like do you have any specific goals trips you're trying to do things you want to get out and get after uh and then also with the business like is any anything up ahead that you're looking towards or like specific events or ways you want to try to to take places you want to take stoke next yeah so i'll as far as like the outdoor stuff goes um you know, we're actually we're going to be traveling to Hawaii in October for a wedding, and we get, we got permits for the Nepali Coast hike there, Sweet. which is uh, pretty excited about that. It's supposed to be like one of the most beautiful hikes in the world, um, and we're gonna spend four days there. So we'll just hike all the way out. You hike kind of I think it's twelve miles out to the end of the trail, and then okay. camp right on the beach there. And so we'll just hike out, set up camp, and then do kind of day hikes and just hang out on the beach for a few days and then come back out. Cool. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Um, that sounds so incredible. On, uh, on Kauai. Um, I don't have any, uh, I don't think I have any other major outdoor things coming up. That's like the uh, main one I have planned. Nice. Uh, just trying to get out and do some more mountain biking uh, before before it starts raining again. Nice. Um, and then as far as the business goes, I mean, right now I'm just kind of focused on trying to get up to what I would consider like kind of full capacity schedule-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You know, I'm not not 100% sure. I've been thinking about uh, potentially, you know, trying to move at that point, move into, you know, more of a formal like space or a bigger space. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas right now, uh, you know, space is pretty small and intimate, which works well for, for what I'm doing. But mm-hmm. I think there could be some benefits to having a little bit more space. Um, but I'm just kind of seeing, seeing where it goes. You know, I don't want to kind of push it too much. I, I think that um, just trying to grow it as organically as possible um, you know I want to kind of get into the community and try to get more people that way because I think at the end of the day that's where like you get more of a quality uh, quality outcome I think so yeah. alright here's a big question for you yeah um, might, might take you a second to ponder what and this is not just in terms of the business this is all of life what do you would you if you had to choose one challenge that you've encountered in your life so it could be obviously anything physical emotional mental whatever it may be something that something that was greatly challenging to you that you somehow managed to overcome or work through and obviously almost inherently then there were lessons learned and things you took from that that hopefully you know probably stayed with you in your life since that point what if you had to pick one uh, one of those challenges what would that be that is a big one. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to take a minute to think on that. Yeah, totally. Take your time. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that. Um, I mean, as far as like my my professional life goes, I think the I think the biggest challenge was. Um, I mean, there were kind of two. I think you know, coming from my hometown and coming from a pretty awful school system, like public school system where I grew up, and going from that to to Cornell was a, a big <clears throat> a big shock and like kind of a big leap uh, for me that was definitely very challenging. I remember just 
not really understanding, you know, how things worked in an institution like that and not mm -hmm. being used to that level of um, kind of academic rigor. Uh, I remember, I think one of the first exams that I got back in, uh, in undergrad, I think I got like a 54 on it. And, but because of the, you know, the way that they designed the test and the curve and everything, that actually ended up being like an A minus or something. Yeah, I didn't really understand that at the time. And I got it back and I'm just like, what? So like, cause I'd never like in high school, I pretty much always just got A's on everything. I did yeah, pretty, yeah. you know, I did pretty well in high school. Um, so that was definitely a shock and it was tough in, in college. I think there were definitely times where I considered transferring out to a different school and, mm. um, but then I think the other one would be would be residency. Um, that was a pretty pretty rough year. Um, okay. Yeah, I was you know probably I was probably sleeping like an average of like five four or five hours every night just like for Oof. basically the whole year. Um, there was like one period of time where we had I think it was like two months maybe two months straight where we had. Uh, a weekend course like every weekend full weekend so it was just non-stop seven days a week um, and like I would be in the clinic and then two days a week I would be in the clinic basically basically all day and then two days a week I was teaching uh, in classes at USC so I would go straight from the clinic to teaching and then and then I also had the residency meetings after that. So I would be like starting in the clinic, you know, in the morning, like getting up 7.30, maybe going to work and then getting home, like getting home from that at like 10 p.m. And then just doing, doing it all over again the next day, basically. Oh so my gosh. It was, uh, that was pretty tough. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, that was definitely the most challenging academic or like, uh, it's not really even necessarily academic, but just challenging yeah, yeah. uh, work-wise period. How do you think you stayed the course? Like what, you know, you were just, you had your eyes set on the prize and you, you know, if we're just going to do what you had to do or how do you, I feel like, you know, some people might eventually lose steam or, you know, feel like they couldn't do it and quit. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that I, I don't know, I always have a, uh, a hard time stopping something that I start. So I think, you know, once I started it, I was just, I was just gonna, on principle. Yeah. I was just going to finish it, you know, and I, I just kind of put my head down and just did it. Just didn't really worry about it uh, too much or worry about yeah, it as little yeah. as possible. Um, just made sure that I was still, you know, like working out every day and like getting exercise, mm. going surfing when I could. I think okay. those things helped a lot. Um, and you know, sometimes at the expense of sleep, but I think at that point that was just kind of what I needed more than sleep. Um, yeah. So, nice. Yeah. So it was uh, it was tough, but I think ultimately it was the you know it was the right decision. I don't think I would do it differently if I were to go back. Um, nice. Yeah. All right. Last question. So, for other people who are facing big challenges in their lives, whatever they may be, or starting a business, whatever, what if somebody would needed some advice? <laughs> on how to, how, to, how to do it, how to keep going, what would you say? What, what wisdom would you, would you give them? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I don't normally consider myself wise enough to offer advice, but... Uh, yeah, don't um, be humble, <laughs> come on. But I think, uh, no, I would think, um, I think the things that are helpful for me is just trying to uh, really continue to focus on getting the things in that help me to relieve stress and you know, so like for me, that's exercise, like working out, uh, spending time outdoors, like continuing to fit those things in maybe at the expense of some of the things that you feel like you need to do. Um, and just not, uh, 
not getting too hung up on all the things that need to be done, you know? So yeah, yeah, I think that just remembering that there are countless things that you could be doing and there's just no chance that you're ever going to do them all. Um, so just trying to be more selective about what you spend your time on, um, focus on the important stuff and then make sure you're getting some time in for yourself too. Sweet. Yeah. See, that was great advice. (laughs) You're wiser than you think. (laughs) Thanks. Cool. Cool. Well, that's about it for today. We're right at one hour. Um, it's been great to talk to you. Yeah, great talking to you too. Yeah, good to hear your story. Psyched you're here in Portland. Psyched we connected and uh, yeah. excited to see Stoke keep growing and, and hope for its success in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Well, have a great day. I'll talk Thanks. soon. Thanks. You too. This wraps up another edition of the Get After It PDX podcast. For more information about today's guest, including social media links, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. Now it's your turn to get out there and get after it.